Welcome to the Beyond the Bucket Show, a podcast centered around optimizing all lives' buckets. We all have buckets we are balancing, coaching, entrepreneurial ventures, family, passion projects, and health. Let's all take this journey together and become bucket fillers. And here's your host, Chris McSwain. Welcome back to Beyond the Buckets. I got my guy here, uh, Noah Stapes. We call him Coach Noah Stapes now yep. from St. Francis High School. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's uh, been watching for a while, just waiting to get my turn to come on and, and hang out and well, have a good time. Happy to have you on here. Um, so why don't you give everybody a fun fact about yourself that they may not know about? Um, when I went to college originally, um, I went to Point Loma to play basketball, and I – Wanted to be a doctor. I was uh, enrolled as pre-med, um, saw how much commitment it was going to take basketball-wise and school-wise at the same time, and kind of had to choose one, and one was paying for school. So, Wow. Okay. I definitely didn't the, know that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, just some context for our conversation here. I've known you since, I think you were 11 or 12 years old, and mm-hmm. you're, you're 26 years old now. So um, that makes me old because <laughs> I think I was the same age when I met you as you are right now. Yes. And uh, that means I'm 41 years old. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how we met. I think you were playing NJB, and I was coaching the AAU program, and mm-hmm. I saw a, a talented player. You were close to six feet at that time um, as, a, as a seventh grader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I think I worked you out one time. And then at Monta Vista High. And then you came over and, and, and joined us and started playing AAU with us. So mm-hmm. that gives some context for, uh, for the listeners out there. But yeah. um, what was that experience like for you when you were young growing up playing uh, AU and middle school basketball? Um, you know, I, I didn't play AAU until I played with you. Um, and it's kind of funny looking back now, there's kids that, you know, they start AAU in third, fourth grade now. And I think our first year was the summer after my seventh grade year, I think. Um, so it was weird. I just basically played middle school basketball for my dad and worked out with him all the time and played NJB. And then that was about it. No, no AAU. And I remember that first workout I went was um, working out with you at Monta Vista. Um, Coach Lagarde was there. And I remember like we were doing basketball stuff. We were doing jump rope in between, in between reps. And my mom was there watching and I was exhausted at the end, just dead. And we're driving home. She's like, that was harder than you've ever really worked out before huh and i was like yeah that was way different and that from that point on my mom was super you know super bought into to what you guys had going with top flight and stuff and um that's basically the beginning of like my evolution from being a big kid playing basketball against you know njb not a not the most talent around you know other kids are probably playing aau at that point and that was a transition to you know preparing me for that next level of like high level AAU into high school basketball and stuff. For sure. And so do you play other sports too, too growing up, right? Yeah, I played, well, in high school, I played volleyball. Um, I played baseball through eighth grade, um, played football through like sixth grade. But yeah, I was always playing, you know, I wrestled in middle school all the way through eighth grade. Um, My parents were just super into playing as many sports as possible. And I think that's, you know, it's kind of dying a little bit now. Kids are getting more specialized, but um, you know, I always felt like if you're well-rounded, you also just get the experiences from if you're 
the stud on the football team and then you go to the basketball team and you're like the seventh man right then you get the experience of being the dude on one team and handling not being the dude on another team and some kids don't get that experience you know they're the dude in the one sport they play and that's all they do and then you get to college and you're not the dude as a freshman and maybe it's a whole new experience that you could have already had and be prepared for and i felt like i kind of got that from you know volleyball i wasn't the dude playing at saint francis so right yeah yeah i think that's a really good point because um we think that you always have to be the guy like all the people that are behind me they were all mm-hmm. the guys on their team but not necessarily that doesn't need to happen because you have to play your role like mm-hmm. even for your family for your wife you have to play a certain role for for what you guys have going on in, in your family dynamic and if you're not playing your correct role it's not going to to really go well um, for the situation, but I think you can learn so much by not being the guy. There's been teams where you've been the best player. There's mm-hmm. been teams where you've been a role player, and there's been teams where you might be the, the last player coming off of the bench, um, and I think there's a, a, a very good value to it. So that's a very good uh, that's a very good distinction for you. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the, the roles that you play, I mean, I'd never played on a basketball team throughout all of high school where I wasn't at least starting. Right. I mean, there were teams like where maybe I wasn't necessarily the best overall player on the team. Um, but then I went to college and basically redshirted my first year because the coach was like, you're not good enough to play right away. Yeah. And that was like, go, you know, I, it wasn't even like you're going from starting to the bench. It was, you're not even going to play. Right. And that whole year was like pretty, pretty huge for my development. Um, like physically, I mean, I was lifting every single day just yeah. cause that was the main thing was he's like, you're not strong enough to guard 22 year old guys. Right. And I was like, he's like, yeah, you could probably score, but you can't guard those guys. And I was like, it's probably true in practice. I was getting, you know, posted up by dudes that were my size, but you know, 20 pounds heavier. Sure. And then to kind of progress to playing off the bench, you know, I even got some, my junior year, even I got a couple DNPs my junior year um just because we had, we were loaded we had a we had a really good team we had the national player of the year i believe yeah yeah we had the division two national player of the year on our team starting you know at the at the three that i want that was my position our backup was a four-year all-conference player um he was all conference off the bench that year yeah who was ended up being like my best friend in college and he you know so i'm behind two guys and i was getting maybe like 10 minutes a game and but then you know foul trouble happens you might have to play and stuff and you got to be ready like in the in the national semis in the final four i played 25 minutes and then i got the zero minutes in the final and if that if i didn't have that red shirt year earlier i think it would have messed with my head a little bit more um but by that point i was kind of just like that my role was you know i gotta come in and and do what they want me to do whether that's defend the best guy on the other team Offense rebound, hit some threes. Um, and, you know, if, if I can only do that for four minutes, those four minutes better help out the guys who are tired playing 30. So, well, that's uh, that's complete growth because, you know, <laughs> when I when I coached you when you were young, uh, you were usually one of the upper echelon players, no matter what. Uh, you were a taller player, but you can handle, I would probably say, your game probably match what Luka Doncic is now like for like that age group in that middle school age group. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and we kind of allowed you to do that too. Uh, we didn't tell you don't bring the ball up because you can actually do it. You're a really good passer. And so you were always one of the best players in the game growing up in seventh grade, in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, all the way up. Even in high school, you're one of the best players in this area. Um, and like, you weren't the easiest to coach. <laughs> like you were, you were a very difficult player to coach one, just because you were so competitive. It wasn't like a bad thing. Cause it was like a, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of deal where you wanted to win so bad. You would be out of your own character because right. like, if you're just sitting here too, and you could probably say the same thing for me. So I'm only, uh, I'm only, I'm only telling you the story that I can see from my lens, right. but uh, like, it was hard to coach you because you were so competitive. Mm -hmm. If you came out of the game, you're like, why am I coming out? It's like, well, another guy needs to get in. And then when I was able to watch you in college, I went to your game at Notre Dame and I saw you took like one shot. I think you took two free throws and mm -hmm. you made both of them, but you were passing up good shots, not even taking them and giving them to somebody else, which was ironic. I looked at you and I was like, who is this player? I don't know who you are because I had seen one player for so long. Mm -hmm. And then, Obviously, you get to college and everybody's just as good as you. Everybody, you know, you're six foot five, but everybody was just as tall or mm -hmm. taller. Or if they were smaller, they were super, super skilled. They could shoot it just as well as you, as deep as you and all of those things. And yeah. then you, you know, you kind of come to a realization like I got to find a role and star in it. And if you star in that role, you're going to be successful and you may get that role like you said, in the national semis when you played 20 minutes or don't play at all in the final game, which yeah. I did watch. Uh, it's just crazy. The ups and downs of what it comes down to. But like, when you look back at your career, is there anything that you would tell yourself at a young age, like when you were in seventh, eighth, ninth grade, that you look back on at age 26 and be like, no, I wish you would have known this. Not that you would have changed anything, but just something that would have given you like an upper upper hand than some of the uh, other players. Yeah, I think I've always said the main thing, and this probably just comes from the fact that it, it was the main reason I had to redshirt. But is I I felt like when I was in high school, I was like I was like when I graduated, I think I was like six five, one ninety. I was pretty big, and then you get to college, and it's like that's a small wing. You know, you're kind of tall, but you're skinny. And taking the weight room super seriously was something that like, I didn't understand until college. And, you know, right now coaching as well, like we talked to, we talked to our kids about it all the time. And, you know, we just had practice and we got lifting after and we got kids like, you know, asking to like, we got lifting. I said, yes. And they're, they're like, oh, okay. And it's like, but if your well, end goal is to play college or beyond, unless you're, Kevin Durant, you're going to be, you're going to have a learning curve physically that, right. that I wish that the thing too is like, it's not like that was never told to me sure. is the hard part is if I went back and was able to tell myself that, like, maybe I would take it a little more seriously, but like the kids, what I always admired the most about <clears throat> some of the kids that would come in as freshmen and play in college was like, they were so physically ready to play. Like, at least in the conference I played in, the freshmen that played were not the super skilled ones. It was the freshmen that were like super physical and they'd rebound and defend. Unless you're a five star, you're probably not going to play as a freshman if you're just like a really skilled player. Like I was really skilled and I came in and didn't play. And I think that would be my my number one thing would have been the weight room. And then the other thing was just being able to, like you said, 
by the time I got to college, I kind of was able to turn it around and figure out like how much energy and how much emotion to play with at the same time. Um, you know, obviously when you're in seventh grade, eighth grade, you're, you're not like mentally, you know, all the way formed as far as how much effort and emotion you put into everything, every, every single little practice and AAU game that you play, you know, at that point I was playing every single game. Like it was, you know, the Super Bowl, and not that the intensity has to change, but the mindset behind how invested I was emotionally and how much I let that affect sure. what I was playing, how I was playing on the court, the mindset I had. I think, you know, I never really had any extreme highs and lows in college playing because I realized the the mental aspect of the game is so important, you know, and I always played with I always played with the mental side as far as like trying to outscheme the other team and in in that way but the mentally um like emotional intelligence side of the game I don't think I really understood that until I was probably not even until like my fourth year in college How did you deal with the fact that you were no longer the dude on your team when you had been the dude your entire basketball career from middle school mm -hmm. all the way through high school. Like, and your team was really, really good. But on a team of really good players, you were identified as one of the, you know, one or two best guys that they need mm -hmm. to stop every single night. Um, how did you, how did your ego, <laughs> you know, take that? Because, you know, if you look back on it and it's like, damn, I've been I've been this for so long, and then you get it's like like going into a cold tub. I just bought a cold tub. Okay, but <laughs> I hate cold water. Like I hate it. Yeah, I'd rather be in warm water, and it's almost it almost feels like that shock of getting in this cold tub. But then at some point you get used to being in that water. Mm -hmm. um, but it may take some people for a while to get to that point. So how did you get okay with? not being the star player, but still starring in your role. I think, I think red shirting definitely helped it because I think if I had been getting like, you know, bench minutes, like seventh, eighth man minutes that freshman year, I think the whole time I would have been probably playing, thinking I'm better than the guy in front of me and trying to do that and trying to show that. I think just getting a full on, you're not ready to play. And sitting on the entire year is just like, essentially, I mean, when someone's redshirting on a college team, even when I was playing later in the years, when someone's redshirting, most of the time, it's because the coaches are, they're redshirting you because they think you can play later. You know, you're not going to redshirt a guy that's not going to play most of the time. I mean, they'll let a guy redshirt if he wants to. And I think I kind of took that as like, you know, they do believe and trust that I will be ready. It's just, I have to get to that point. And the, for the first time ever, I was like, maybe I'm not at that point when mm -hmm. every other time I felt like I was ready to play. And I think sitting out the whole year was like a big difference. So at any point, did you feel like F this, like I'm, I'm, I'm about to get somewhere where I can go play did any of that ever cross your mind? Because the transfer thing was probably starting when you were 
when you were in college. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it is where it is now, but um, a lot of people don't want to wait, and you end up waiting, and you never – you had a great career, although you weren't considered the quote-unquote star, but yeah. you got your team always did well, and you got a degree there. You got a master's degree as well because mm-hmm. of basketball. So there was a lot of positives by sticking it out, in my opinion. Yeah. I didn't really ever have a time where I thought, you know, maybe I should go somewhere else. I just kind of felt like that we were a really high level division two program. And to be honest, I think I just valued winning more than, you know, being the guy on a crappy team. Um, we were, we were okay. My first year when I redshirted, we were like, I don't know, like 17 and 13 or something, but we went to our conference tournament final lost in the final. And, I knew based on who we had coming in for um, like Juco transfers, we got a kid from another D2 who was good that came in. Um, and then we had two seniors that were graduating in my position. So I was like, you know, basically I'm going to be either starting or the sixth man next year if I just like work hard. And the following year we brought in um, – we brought in a transfer from a D2 at my position. We had my buddy who was also my position, the 2-3. And to start the year off, our, the guy we brought in had knee surgery. He wasn't ready to play until like the fourth game. So I started like the first two games of my college career. And I had like 16 and 12 in back-to-back games. And I led us in scoring twice, both games. We went one and one. And the other kid was ready to come back. The other kid was better than me. He averaged 20 the year before and the coach called me after the game and he's like, Hey, Tanner's coming back. Um, I want you to come off the bench and be the sixth man. And part of me was like, I just led us in scoring for two straight games. And, you know, I feel like maybe I've earned a little bit more, but then at the same time, it was like, I've played two games and that dude's played like 60. <laughs> right? He's proved himself in years of work. And so I think, you know, I knew what was going to come and that my chance was there. I just had to work for it. And I just was rather, you know, and I st- I'm glad I stayed because if I had left and gone to, you know, like a lower level D2 or something where I could have been playing 30 minutes, shooting 20 times a game, I wouldn't have, you know, I went to the NCAA tournament four times. We went to the national championship, lost in the final, you know, lots of, I mean, Lots of good memories at Point Loma. Lots of fun times. Lots of good traveling, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people, they quit before or they they try to find something new if it's not working out for them at that point. Mm -hmm. But it's just that point. And you have to get past that. And you can have a lot of success regardless of whatever is going on as far as like external. Because you could probably get a lot of external pressures too from your family from your friends people that grew up oh i didn't see you in the box score stuff like that but Mm -hmm. that to me is just personal growth and you know you talked about the workout that i put you in put you through back then like i wouldn't put somebody through that workout again because it wasn't smart to really break you down all the way without actually having done that before you know, if I look back on that, it was like, yeah, I was just doing things to do things. All the things I think are still, you know, relevant and prevalent today, but I wouldn't have you do them all in, you know, 90 minutes 
It's right. like, all right, well, if we're going to strength and condition, okay, well, let's strength and condition. If we're going to, you know, work on your off the bounce stuff, well, let's work mm -hmm. on that. Let's work on your finishing. Let's work on your catch and shoot. Let's be more detailed in what we're trying to do. And, and I would say the same thing, you know, for my personality too. If you, if you reviewed, you know, me coaching you back then, it was much more firing worry. I think you've come to my practice before and like, dang, you're not even like on them. And it's just a different way you learn, you learn by going through it and trial and error, what has worked, what doesn't work. And then you find out really what's important. And a lot of the things that we would focus on really weren't important. It wasn't important that you averaged, you know, or, or like in your first two games, you scored 14, you know, averaged 14 points in those first two games. Mm -hmm. What was important was having the foresight to understand that, look, this dude also is really good. And if I just play my role, I'll get my opportunities when they come. And, you know, it's having that selfless act for the betterment of the team. And your team was better because of it. Because if mm -hmm. you could have been a jerk about not playing, oh, F coach and this and that, you know, it would have messed up your team dynamics, um, you know, let alone just your own your own psyche and things like that. So what what got you into that mindset? Because if you would have told me, when you went to college that you weren't going to be playing the minutes that you thought you would be playing, I'd be like, nah, he's, he's out or, you know, but I would have been wrong. I yeah. been, so what got you to that point where it's like, I'm okay with this and I'm going to get through it. Cause that to me is, is the real winning. Mm -hmm. That's winning. Like you, you won because you didn't let the hard part beat you. You actually beat the hard part. Yeah. I think to be honest, I think the main thing was that, you know, I was at college with um, my now wife and, mm. you know, I think we were dating at that time and, and, you know, I took basketball very, very seriously in college, but <clears throat> practice ends, game's over, you know, I go home, we watch some film or something, but I'm hanging out with her, you know, we're having a good time hanging out with her roommates, hanging out with my friends. And I think overall, I just knew that basketball we were going to be a good team. We were going to win a lot of games. I knew I'd have a chance. I wasn't like buried where I was never going to play. So I knew if I worked hard, I'd get a chance. And then I loved going to school there. It was an awesome campus right on the water in San Diego. I was with my girlfriend, now wife, at the time. And, and I just think I wasn't willing to sacrifice all of those good things just to more satisfy my own ego of like playing basketball and like my personal stats and stuff like that um i think honestly it's probably just because mostly because she was at school with me well i mean yeah because i think if i was there by myself you know i would have my friends on the basketball team still we would have hung out all the time but it would I, I it's hard to tell because i just don't know what it would have been like um and my parents were always big on like you know when i told them i was redshirting i wasn't going to play or whatever you know, my parents were like, okay, like they weren't, they weren't upset. They weren't saying like, why is, you know, why aren't you playing? Like, you're better than this guy. You're better than this guy. Like my mom was always just kind of like wants what's best for me and wants me to be happy and stuff. And, you know, I told her that I was happy there and I liked being there at Point Loma. I liked being with the team. I liked the guys. I liked the coaches. They were cool. Um, so she's, you know, I didn't really ever even discuss transferring. So I guess I never really had any conversation with her about it. But I, I'm, I'm assuming she would have been like, do you want to leave all the stuff that makes you happy just so like you might like playing somewhere else? Right. Like you also could get somewhere else and 
you don't like the coach very much yeah. or, you know, you get somewhere else and, you know, I ended up transferring my last, I, I played five years at Loma, had a red shirt and COVID year in there. So then my sixth year, I went to Monterey Bay Sure, and I had a great time at Monterey Bay. I love the, co I love coach Williams there. Ended up transferring with another kid from Point Loma. So we were friends. We got to, and made, made some good friends there, but like it was way different, like so much different than Point Loma and not in a good or bad way, just different. But like I transferred as like a 24 year old. Like if I transferred as like a 19 year old, that might have not been very fun right. coming to a brand new team with like, you know, I came there and there was dudes with egos. Obviously, every team has them, dudes that have been there for four years or whatever. And like, they accepted me and, you know, I got to play a lot and stuff as a transfer, but that's because I was a six year transfer from a good school. Like they respected me because of that. But if I was like some dude that transferred from a barely over 500 Loma team, had redshirted, never played a college game, they probably would not have, probably would not have been as cool there. Right. So and it just goes to show you that the grass isn't always greener, it's greener where you water it. And, you know, the, that, you know, that says a lot that, that Steph had that sort of impact on you as mm -hmm. well. And, yeah. Um, and then, you know, what's even more crazy is you guys are one of the few couples that get together in high school mm -hmm. and end up staying together past high school. And now obviously you guys are married. So mm -hmm. that's uh, that's like a really cool thing. But um, when you look back on, you know, any of your, any of your basketball playing career, would there be one like moment where you're like, Oh, it could have went this way. And you just look back to like, oh, what what would that be like? Um, well, maybe your CCS championship game, your junior year. Yeah, my junior year, that than, game was other tough. Other than that, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that game for sure. I mean, yeah, if we just don't – if for anyone who doesn't know, the uh, my junior year at St. Francis, we were the number one seed, um, and we lost in the open CCS final to Sarah. We were up one. They shot a corner three. I went to, I went to close out from the side, and – the guy shot it, he landed, and I kind of ran into his arm at the very end. Like, probably a 50-50 call, and with two seconds left, I just don't know if that's necessarily the call to make. They call it, he makes all three free throws, we lose. Um, so, you know, one of those, you know, that's obviously the big one. It's like, man, if I had just closed out and then, you know, had was able to not, not even make any contact with him, that would have been. I think also just... Um, my my first year in college when I went and I played, um, when I went to Loma, I actually signed with an original coach, Coach Carr. That's right, yeah. He's the women's coach at Santa Clara now. Yep. Um, I signed with him. Then that whole season happens. And when I sign, they have two senior wings and a freshman wing. And so it's like, okay probably coming in to either start or play a lot of minutes, you know, they'll probably get a transfer or something. One, I signed in like, you know, the early signing period, November, I think they're playing that whole year. One of the seniors breaks his foot, sits out the whole year. So he comes back. He wasn't supposed to come back at the end of the year. Coach Carr ends up leaving, taking the Santa Clara women's job. Coach Looney comes in from Seattle Pacific, takes the new job. He brings in, a, he brings a kid with him. That's um, my grade comes in as a freshman they ended up being a four-time World Conference player, who I he was uh, my roommate in college um, one of the years. So that kid comes in, guy that got hurt comes back. They got another transfer, so now I'm like fourth. Plus there was that other freshman, so maybe fifth. <clears throat> and I always kind of think about like 
if that guy doesn't get hurt, if Coach Carr doesn't leave, I'm probably starting as a freshman because that year I came in, the guy who was a freshman the previous year, the NBA sophomore, that guy ended up quitting. So I would have probably started my whole freshman year. I probably would have been a four-year starter, but we're not going to the national championship with me starting playing 35 minutes. Like that's just the reality. Like if I'm starting on a division two high level college basketball team and playing 35 minutes, unless I'm surrounded by like the four best play, like the four best dudes in the conference for the, you know, the rest of the positions, our ceiling just isn't as high. Like when did you, when did you know that though? Well, like, because you were always him mm -hmm. in this area. Yeah. It was probably like, probably like my second year in college. So when I redshirted, I didn't really know. I was like, I just need time to develop and I'll be that guy. And in practice, I would kill people in practice. Cause like, I was a red shirt. So like if I was taking bad shots, like he might yell at me, but like, what's he going to do? Bench me. Yeah. Like, so I wasn't going crazy or anything like that, but like we would do scout stuff and I got to be the best dude on scout. And like our coach was super into like scout was a hundred percent. We were going a hundred. And like, if the scout team scores on you running the other team's plays, you're doing it again. And he would come up to me and be like, you're going to be Michael Smith from Cal Baptist today. Who's averaging 28. So I need you to kill these dudes today. And he wanted me to, and then he would, and it was a game. It was like, if I scored, we'd get two points for the scout team. If they stopped us, they'd get one. So we get two to one. Cause we're, you know, our team's not as good as the starters. Right. And it's harder to score too. Yeah. It's harder to score and the losers running. So then I'm going like full, full speed. And, and I was scoring a lot in those. And I was like, kind of getting a little bit of a false sense of like how much he was going to let, you know, let us do stuff. Cause we were in the swing offense. Like we were not, it was flex screen post ups, post ups. You yeah. know, you got to be a four or five that posts up, or if you're the one, you can come off a ball screen. But you know, the two, three, like what I play was you're swinging the ball, you're dumping it into the post. If they double, you can shoot a three or you're spotting up in the corner. That's about it. And I think my second year when I played, by the, the way, year, we ran that when you were in seventh grade, That's like a, a version of it, mm -hmm. reverse the ball, back screen. It was like an inverted flex mm -hmm. for those that don't know. Like the up screens from the big guy from the block coming up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Was I playing the block? Well, it was all interchangeable because. Oh, we because you can't. Well, yeah, you got like two. We, I learned that from Looney, by the way, when he was up at Eastern. When he was at Eastern? Because he taught a basketball class and I took it and I had all the notes. And oh, yeah. He got it from Bo Ryan when he was uh -huh. with Bo Ryan. In Nebraska? The, or no? Wisconsin. West Lacoste? One of the. Lacoste, one of the Wisconsin. I think. Yep. Um, it's a crazy offense. I mean, it's yep. one of those ones where it's like, I mean, the reason we were so good is we had like dominant. We had like we started two six eight dudes in like a six six, two forty center. Yep. And that's why I wanted to ask you if you were six feet, would you be able to do what you did? If I was only six foot. Yep. I think. I think if I like stopped growing in eighth grade and I was only like six foot, I would have turned into a point guard. I don't know. I mean, I turned it. See, because I, I mean, in high school, I didn't really. I didn't have to really play defense. Like I was so tall and long and like pretty athletic to where. So that means you played defense in middle school? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely none in middle school. We sat in a two, three zone in middle school when I was on rolling Hills uh, and yeah. I'd stand in the middle. Yeah. But I played, a you know, in high school, it was more like I was going for like steals and blocks. Like I would make it like it was the kind of thing where you watch. And if you really watch, you're like, he's not playing defense. And then, 
But like, if you're just watching the game, you're like, oh, he has three steals and two blocks and he's contesting all these shots. But like, I wasn't really guarding anybody. Right. And I learned to guard in college. You know, that's how I ended up getting on the court really was my first year was I averaged like three points, my red shirt freshman year playing, but I guarded the best player on the other, the best wing slash guard on the other team. Uh, me and then the other kid that transferred in, we would switch off guarding the best player. Um, and I think if I was smaller, I would have probably gotten to that point faster. You think you would have still played in college if you were six feet? Yeah. You think you would have had to work harder? I definitely would have had to work harder. I think defensively would have been a huge thing. I think ball handling wise, like I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at bringing the ball up, but then like I can't bring the ball up in college against like a six, two point guard. Like I can, but like not effectively. Like I can bring it up kind of like half turn my back, get the ball up the court and do that. Yep. But when we play Concordia Irvine and they're face guarding everybody and I have to bring the ball up against a dude who's like six, three super athletic, like that's not, you know, <laughs> if I was six foot, I have to be able to do that. Sure. Uh, and then what would you tell like high school kids who are better upper echelon? Cause like our area, first of all, well, the only five, st- well, there's a lot of five stars on the girl side, which is crazy Yeah, because stuff. Um, there's just a, in the Bay area alone, there's way more five stars and four stars and girls that go to really high level. I don't know what, why that is, but in this area, there's not a lot of five stars. I think, the last five star was probably Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I think he's probably unless yeah, because the kid on Reardon's not. He's going to St. Mary's, but Ooh, I don't. He might be a five. Oh, he's definitely a four. He's uh, is that Sensley. Sensley's on We just played him last night. I know. He, I know. We won't get into that. Yeah, yeah, but no, he's legit. But yeah, the last like legit five star where like the dude can go anywhere. Like Logan was a three star. Yeah, and he scored. I saw him score thirty eight in a thirty two minute game and hold Jake Wojcik to four points. Yep. And I was like, that's the best high school game I've ever seen someone play. And yeah, yeah and he and Jake he, and Jake was a two star. Yeah, and Jake was <laughs> Jake might be one of the best dub cow players I've seen in the last decade. Right. He was legit. He was tough. And so a lot of these players like are super, super high level in a great league, WCL. And then you you go to college and Logan like didn't play a whole lot as freshman year. He played. He played a little bit, yeah. He played, but and and then it took him some time to get acclimated at St. Mary's and then finally his senior year he was one of the main dudes yeah obviously but he had to play behind Jordan Ford who was like a three-star but Jordan Ford was really like that even we was we watched his games when we were playing AAU because you were a few years younger so no, he's my grade oh is he I, I played him in high we played Folsom my senior year oh okay they beat us by two um at that we played up in sack on like a we played like Martin Luther King like we just went up there and played him randomly mm. um that game kind of screwed us, actually, in the Wait, NorCal he was, seating. He was 2016? Mm-hmm. Him and uh, the other guy was Trey Finch. And then they had a sophomore that Jeez. went to Harvard eventually, like a big 6'8 oh, kid with the fro. He has a sister, Forbes. <clears throat> Forbes, yeah. Forbes, he was good. Uh, his sister is at USC right now. She's a Really? Senior, yeah, she's a senior at USC. Oh, wow. Because um, she, play, she played against UCLA this past weekend. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, we played them. He was... He was one of those guys where it's like, I remember watching actually him play against Mitty the year before as a junior. He had zero in the first half. And, and um, I remember sitting there like, this is like the dude. And he had 33 in the second half. <laughs> and they were like tied and then they won by 20. And, and he's six feet. Yeah, he's short. Like, and that, 
And like to for him to do that against uh you know a MIDI defense, that's really, yeah. really difficult. Um yeah, and MIDI was really good that year too. Like they went I think they lost in the state final that year for division two. Like they had Ben Cone, they had the kid that transferred in, uh Sebastian. And so you well, think about that too. Like there's a lot of kids that were supposedly better than you. Mm-hmm. But you I think about this all the time. Like we talk about certain people that grew up in my era and a lot of people they, they had like aspirations. One was Antoine Guidry, who was the best athlete. He might have been the best athlete ever in the South Bay area. Your dad will tell you about him for yeah. sure. But he was a CCS player in football. He had 48 touchdowns. He was the CCS basketball player of the year. And then he was also the track athlete of the year, too, running a 10-200. And Jeez. he had a full scholarship to Nebraska for football and basketball. They were going to allow both because he was really that good. And um, I don't think he, he qualified. So he had to go to a junior college. He got hurt his first year in a junior college. And then towards the, he still went D1 years later at Temple playing football. But this is how good of an athlete he was. Like, he should have been playing in the NFL, or he probably could have played in the NBA too, um, just because he was that good. But he would have for sure been playing on Sundays and could have been like a Hall of Fame. He was a Hall of Fame type of talent. Where did you go to school? He went to Lee. He went to Lee. Yep. And I played I played with him AAU. And um, he just come out in like jeans. He'll do a windmill. And he was about <laughs> six foot one, but he was just like, physically mature he's one of those guys that you say as a freshman he would have stepped in and played yeah um but you know when you think about i don't even know where i was going with it before this but i just remember antoine gidry and it's just oh all the players that may have been better than you better athletes Mm -hmm. than you and you actually ended up going further athletically as well as academically when when you look at it because they didn't like fight through the heart like there's a couple of different theories but one is like all right they were always uber talented and they didn't have to really work hard right. or when they got challenged they wanted to go to a different direction if it didn't work out for them at their first spot so mm-hmm. you know do you think about that when you think about players that you grew up playing with and against and where they ended up compared to where you ended up yeah i mean i think about that sometimes like like you said, dudes that were always kind of known as like the best guys in the in the in the in the area, or guys that had a bunch of D one offers, or you know did stuff like that. And I think it's a little mix of like what you said. They were always super talented. Necessarily didn't have to put in all of that work. Not that I wasn't talented, and that I had to work super 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 hard. Like I worked hard, but like you know, some guys, they kind of just have it. And, and I think it's that plus a little bit of the, you know, you get somewhere and if you have a, if, you know, if your support system, your parents, your family, friends and stuff at home, that if you get to a college and you're not playing right away, some of those, some support systems are very, you know, you're better than, you know, these guys don't know how good you are, blah, blah, blah. You should go here. You know, I already talked to the coach at this college like that. They'll take you there or whatever. And, right. you know, it kind of it's already kind of seeping into into high school as we're kind of seeing, you know, kids, kids basically leaving, you know, a mid-level high school team that they just want to, you know, a league title with to go to another school where they're going to be like the seventh guy. And it's not because the exposure you get on some of those high level teams, I understand. 
but you know, there's guys who have transferred three times already where it's, you know, they leave one school, they go to a school where it's supposed to get you more exposure. You don't play enough. They get mad. They go transfer back to another school, you know, and now they're back in the same place they were before where it's like, if you just stayed, you could have been like the dude for three years. Right. And if people humble themselves like you did and don't take the easy way out, it's easy to say, all right, I'm about to and like if you're being mistreated or something like that, that's one thing. Right. But if somebody's just not playing you, like you got to look at the actual what's going on on the court too. Like we all have analytics now and, um, you know, huddle makes it very easy to look up everybody's stats. Well, yeah. you're shooting 25%. Yeah. You are shooting 25%. Why do I not want you shooting a three? Because you can only make one out of four. Now, if you can make one out of three, that's a big difference. That's yeah. a huge difference. It goes from 25 to 33. That's 8% difference. Well, if you can do that or you can go to 35, well, like that's that's a big that's a big difference yeah. from kids that are, are, are not being able to shoot. Um, I think Alan Stein had like a viral post about, you know, who gets to shoot? The best shooters. Well, why is that such a why is that such a thing? Yeah. That's a fact. Well, who who gets the best jobs? The best people that you know are suited for the job. You can't just go and start coding at at Meta. You can't, yeah, unless yeah. you actually have done it before. Why is why is this person getting the job? Because they can do the job. And if you don't like, you had to self awareness, understand. Look, like, look, I can do the job, but this guy can too. And in a basketball team. We know in high school basketball, we only have 150 minutes or 160 minutes, excuse me, if all five five players played 32 minutes, that's 160. Yeah. Well, you played 25 plus unless yeah. it was a 20-20 game where you're up 20 or down 20 and you guys were never down 20 when you played. You played 25 plus. Okay, well, Curtis played 25 plus. Peter played 25. Peter played 25 plus. Just there so he is. There, there he is. is. And <laughs> Logan came off the bench a lot of the time. Logan well, and Logan. Gabe came off the bench. He didn't, I mean, we had seven dudes. Like, they only give five all. You can only nominate five people for all league. We had seven guys that were better than 75% of the league. Exactly. And those two guys, I mean, it ended up, Curtis actually came off the bench a lot our senior year. He. That's right. He, he took the, you know, because I came off the bench my junior year. Um, Motil kind of just was he's he brought Tyler Johnson off the bench, I believe. Yeah. Tyler's senior he was, year, he was the, he was the player of the year, the player of the year coming off the bench. And my junior year, he said, Hey, I want you to fill that role, like, we need some scoring off the bench around the second unit. And you know, I was definitely not like when he told me that, I was like, I just started for you as a sophomore, like. And I ended up just taking that. Yeah, I still don't know how Mike was able to do that because I asked Tyler, but Tyler said it calmed him down because he was so like amped and he was so hype. You know, yeah. obviously Logan has that same thing. You guys are all very similar as far as, um, mm -hmm. and I've had the pleasure to be around all of you guys, but uh, Logan is probably a little bit crazier than you. Yeah, I didn't really get to see it much because he was a sophomore and mm -hmm. we had six like very high level seniors that oh, he, he kind was, of he was only a sophomore your senior <clears throat> yeah oh dang i forgot about that he started for us actually basically the latter half of the year as a sophomore and but i didn't really you know when you're a sophomore on the varsity and there's a good older group you're not really going to be the super vocal guy right. i mean he was energetic and you know he always crazy um passion for winning and stuff which i always appreciated but 
I didn't really, I just thought he was like very, you know, just like very passionate about basketball and very intense. But yeah, I mean, then when you watch, I'd come back and watch their games later, junior, senior year. And I'm like, oh, this dude's like, he's crazy about it. And I appreciate that from his perspective because he went from a team as a sophomore where like he just had to defend, move the ball and like make athletic plays on offense. And just basically it was, he had a very distinct role. There were games where he saved us, like not sit. Yeah. I mean, practically saved us at Sarah. It was like basically tied the whole game and he had like three steals in a row for layups. We go up like eight and then Curtis hits a couple threes and we're up 15. And I didn't play well that game at all. And, you know, we're relying on a sophomore on a team that is 26 and two to, to, to fuel the energy for us on defense. And, you know, I think some of that gets a little lost in the, in the shuffle of how good our team was, was without Logan. I mean, you know, that's another guy that, you know, we relied on Darius to pick up full court a lot. But Logan and Darius would pick up full court together, and then me and Giuseppe would kind of hang out at half court with Pete in the back. And that's tough. I mean, I remember specific, if if the other team didn't have a legit point guard, there was no way they could beat us. Right. Like we only lost three games all year. We lost two. Modesto Christian in the last one. Right? Yeah, and they had Christian Ellis who went D one point guard. Remember, we seen him, and uh, he was on Team Bibby. Uh huh. That was like the first time because we played against them. I bo or did we? I think we might and have just watched Carlos, them. Had, oh, we were trying to play them. They had Carlos Johnson. But they were – we couldn't even get to that bracket. So. No. I th- was that when we played Thon Maker before that? And then they kind of destroyed was us? Was that Thon – I don't know. Remember when we played like Yase? It was like – Oh, that was Thon Maker's team from Canada? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they destroyed – I mean – Except I don't think he was playing that game. Like we didn't play. We, we probably should have had Logan and Jake up on your team those years. <laughs> it was crazy because they're two years younger, but it's so true. But yeah, and and probably Dylan and um, but and Angelo. Yeah, Angelo was so. Imagine all those kids on the same team. Because the next year they were really good. That 17th team with Logan and Jake were 16th. I always thought I was like, couldn't I have technically played on that team as like a as like a senior? Or since uh, I was signed, uh, well, I wasn't you, supposed you to play. You were signed, you couldn't play, but you could, I mean, you could, you could do anything in AAU. That's what I was saying. Like I went to, <laughs> I, I watched because my brother was playing, you know, on the 16s team, and right. so I was in Vegas and I was at their games watching them, and like I'm watching them play, watching them play, and I'm like, they're like beating all these top teams, but they can't beat the top top teams. No. And I'm like, no. if I was out there playing right now, we still wouldn't have beat them. No, not the top, top team, <laughs> but they lost to a couple teams by like two or four or something. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm not trying to say anything about the other wings on that team, but like they, you know, they're like someone from Los Gatos, well, I think. I can't remember. Not Dylan, but someone else. Well, yeah, you're right. But um, the, the last game of that season played the New York Rens. Yeah. And I don't know who the two bigs were. But one went to Stanford and one went like to the Big East. But um, what's his name was on the? Um, he was a point guard, Pel- Pelicans guy. Alvarado. Alvarado. Really? Yeah. I never noticed. And he, it was unbelievable. He mm-hmm. got anywhere he wanted. <laughs> um, as good as Logan and, and those guys were, like Alvarado was just on a different level. Yeah, he was just on a different level in their whole team. Like, I thought our team was big, but 
they weren't big like that. There was it was just yeah. a different, you know, it was guys your size, right? But um, and a few inches taller, but um we had a bunch of those guys, but it wasn't like those guys. It was like mm -hmm. six nine, six eleven, six eight, long, athletic, pretty big, super big. But uh, yeah, those I remember were, that game. Those are the times. We had some crazy. Like Logan had some dunks. Dylan had a couple dunks. Like you had, it was it was a good game. I mean, but yeah, when you get to those top brackets in Vegas, no. Fab Forty Eight and stuff, it's like if you don't have a guy who's basically going to the NBA. It's going to be hard to win. That's when I real. I think it was watching. Well, when we went to Indiana, I think that was yeah. one of the times where it was like, all right, well, I think we lost every. I thought we thought we were really good. We went one and three, I think. We lost a couple games by like one or two shots. We lost to Indiana Elite, mm -hmm. one of their teams, because they had like so many. But when we watched those guys, I was like, there's nothing that we can do at this point. When yeah. you had Bibby's son, when you had Carlos, and then you had the one kid from Modesto, Christian Ellis. Christian Ellis. And I'm like, well, what do you even do with that? Even if I, like, we really wanted to play them eighth grade year because that was when we thought we were really good. But I think we were. I mean, that's like the point where I think that was our best chance to compete with those top, top teams because in eighth grade, the kids who are 6'8 aren't. 95% of the 6'8 kids are not very good. Right. So, like, you can play. Like, like we won the top division in uh, Reno that year. Right. Like, and we beat a team from uh, Portland. Portland. And then in, we lost in the final of the Vegas top division. To New York. Uh, New York Bombers or something like that. They were blue. Was it the Rens? It might have been the They were tall. Oh, the Gauchos? Yeah, uh, maybe. I think we saw them the year before. But we lost in the final of that one and didn't have Carter. Right. And you know Carter already. Was, By the way, we had like there were we probably broke some CCS rules back in the day because we had you guys playing in the the Lee Summer in League. The summer League. Well, Before, as an AAU team, but we weren't in high school yet. I know. Oh, so that's. I don't a, know. Who knows? I, I, doesn't matter now. But. Doesn't matter now. <laughs> we beat some our eighth grade AAU team. We beat a lot of those high school teams. We beat Pioneer by twenty. We did. We beat. But that was that last game. That was when Carter Carter's a, a baseball player for the Giants. Mm -hmm. Now, by the way, the whole group was a really good group. Um, Super fun. And Carter broke his broke his elbow. Like his elbow, or something. yeah. And we had Vegas like that coming week, but we were using those games to 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 get ready for it, playing against high school level competition. Mm -hmm. um, I remember Aaron Gordon sat on our bench. Like, yeah, when we were playing Leland. Because they had like, I mean, Leland was had like a six eight dude, the James Roar or something like that. Yeah, oh James, James was good. I remember we're playing that game and like, um, yeah, he's sitting on our bench, we're hooping, and I hit like six threes, and like the sixth one, I just I stepped back over him, banked it in, mm. and <laughs> I was just feeling like I was like, this is crazy, going into that. Yeah, Aaron's pulling up to like watch like public school summer league like because he was boys with all the league guys right yeah he was he was friends with all those guys um <clears throat> but let's talk about coaching real quick mm -hmm. um you you stepped into coaching like right after you stopped playing mm -hmm. so how has that transition been what's been what's been some of the uh obstacles that you've seen and is there any like deja vu is like damn somebody told me this and i'm like oh i, I want them to understand this and yeah yeah um yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it's crazy going back, especially because I'm coaching the St. Francis. So back in my alma mater, um, I play, I coached last year was my first year with Motil. So I'm back. I'm asking him questions of like, how'd you deal with all of us jokers when we were playing? Because our team was 
crazy. No, like I would have been fired <laughs> fooling with you guys. You guys were on some other stuff. Like I don't know how you guys would have did it. And I coached a lot of you guys when you guys were young, but mm -hmm. um and I knew all the other guys too because we had played against them when uh everyone played NJD back in the day, like everyone. So it was, you know, Curtis was Redwood City, Darius Peter, Gabe Gabe was West San Jose with you actually. He was, yeah. Um Darius, Giuseppe, oh. Peter were Foothill. Um, I was Will Glenn and but I asked him one time uh, last year, I said, so like coaching us, like how did you manage? Cause I know I was a handful to coach in general. I know, you know, we had a lot of egos on the team. We had guys that wanted, we had like six dudes that wanted to and win. I will no say this what. so I don't forget it, but yeah, yeah, you were hard to manage like on the court, not off the court. No. Yeah. That was the thing is he you didn't, were, you were a hundred percent great, <laughs> great young, young man off the court. Like there was never any issues. Like I pick you up, we go to the mall and hang out and stuff like that. Um, this is before wife and kids, but yeah, like I would just pick you up to come come hang out because you always like held yourself a little bit older than what you were. Yeah, that's what I think helped a little bit. Was I mean we had Giuseppe was like the resident peacekeeper on the team. You know he was the he won St. Francis Man of the Year our senior year. They give it to the best. You know the whole student <laughs> body votes on one guy. They gave it to Giuseppe. Um, he held himself, you know, super high standard. He he kind of kept us together, to be honest. He he was the guy that where when stuff's going crazy and because I was able to keep my head on straight during basketball games like 90% of the time. And then that 10% when other stuff would go wrong. That's because you guys won most of the games. That's true. We, you only lose your mind in the when it got when it got close. Right. And but he was the guy that when I would start to lose my mind, he was able to like kind of corral me back into like, you know, figuring out, settling down. And, but I was like, I did never appreciated how much like Motil had to deal with. And to be honest, I think he's probably out of all the coaches I've ever had in my life. He's the best manager like of personalities and like, ultra talented ego teams. He's the best manager of those teams. Like he, he's able to, I told the story yesterday, actually I was talking to, um, I was talking to the assistant from Reardon yesterday after our game. And he was asking, cause he used to be an assistant SI back when I played in oh, yeah, no. Kareem. Yep. <clears throat> um, and I was talking to him and I said, do you know how many times, we would go into halftime against Valley Christian, you know, random teams like Reardon, who wasn't great when I played. They had Eddie Stansbury, who was really good, but we'd be going going to halftime tied up to down four. And most of the time, just because of how motel, how calm he was, we'd walk in and our whole team would just sit down and just kind of chill. And he would walk in and he wouldn't say much. He would just be like, you know, when you do this and this, let's get out there and do it. Let's finish the game. And we would walk back out. But I've also been a part of teams where you're beating a team by 10. That's not very good. And your coach comes in and starts yelling at you. And I think he just knew that it was like, that wasn't really going to work with our team. Like we just had too many dudes that like, he knew that he could trust. We're going to get it done. And we had dudes that if he yelled at him, it just wasn't going to work. We just had guys that didn't, they didn't react to the, to that kind of coaching and he knew that we also had times where he'd come in and we're losing to somebody or it's tied against a bad team for whatever reason 
the guys on the team, we were not super calm. We were pissed off. We're yelling at each other. I'm telling him, I'm telling guys on the team, I've shot three times in the first half. That's ridiculous. Give me the ball. Like, this is insane. Then we've got guys, we've got other guys like, you know, literally I've gone in. I I remember specifically reared in like one of our last games. We go in at halftime and I'm like, guys, I've shot the ball three times. Like, this is ridiculous. Give me the ball. And I'm also throwing in profanity in there. And Darius, (laughs) Darius looks at me. He's like, he's like, why would I give you the ball? You don't guard anybody. And I was like, at the time I'm like, yeah, but I put the ball in the hoop. And like, he's getting mad. And, you know, Curtis is just sitting there. Like, he's not going to say anything. People, I, there's times people come in, they yell at him for taking bad shots. And Curtis is the ultimate, like, okay. And he's not going to change what he does. Right. He's just going to go out there and get buckets. But we're all yelling at each other. Motil walks in, kind of lets us finish what we're saying. And he's like, you guys ready to go out there and fix what you guys are talking about so we can win this game? And we're like, yeah. He's like, all right, let's do it. And then we just go out and play like he was so good at managing. Like he knew when we needed to be like, was there any times that he got on you guys? That time was more in practice during games. He kind of was like, like I never got taken out for taking bad shots. Like I took a lot of shots. We know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he was never, I mean, there's a game, uh, preseason senior year played Palma and I was over 10 from three and I was over nine and I shot like a step back. Cause we were up 20 and I was like, I'm just going to shoot this. And like, he didn't say anything, but then like in practice, it was, you know, it was different in practice. He was super into like preparing us for the game, but we were not like a huge, we didn't watch film. Granted, this was also 10 years ago. I don't think film in high school was nearly as prevalent. I don't know. Did you guys watch film when you were at like Lee? Uh, no. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, no, no. Did you watch film like your first year at Valley? Yeah. So that was when you started watching film, though. Uh, yeah. I th- like with the team. With the team. For sure. And, and that's got- like 10 years ago? 11. 11. But we don't. We we watch it. I'll send them individual clips now because like the attention span. Can't handle it. Yeah. They can't. And then, um, you know, we have to like the INS guy obviously doesn't lie. So when right. you see what's on the film, sometimes it could be like, and take them the other way. So most of the time I show them the positive stuff right now. So I sent everybody individual clips of them. You know, some of them are longer than others, depending on how you play. But like our point guard has 11 straight minutes of positive clips. Mm-hmm. And so you know, <laughs> if I'm on you and I'm trying to get the best out of you, because, you know, we need that. Um, I need to give them positive things too. And so right. they can view like, look, I'm, I'm all right at this. Like, or this is what I'm good at. Um, you know, certain people, you don't want them taking shots hmm. that they can't make. Mm-hmm. Now take the shots that you can make. If you're open and range and rhythm, shoot it. If you're not, if you're not on balance and, and you're, or you're like somebody that can't really score around the basket, why even get to the basket? Just if you pull can't up or pull up or just move it. Yeah. You know? Um, so you send them clips of like taking the good shots and you're like do more of it's this only their positive stuff what is it that you've been like because after after 12 games now they should be able to see okay this is what i'm good at and if this is what i'm good at then i have to continue with that 
don't, and I can show you all the bad clips. Don't do these. Yeah. Why put yourself in that situation when, when you don't have to, but no, um, Lee, we didn't watch film. Yeah. Well, I was the JV coach, so we didn't really watch too much film. But um, like now I think, I mean, Oh man, I watch so much film. But, the freshman, the freshman teams at St. Francis, like the coach after their game, were preparing for the varsity game. He played like an hour ago. He's in there with the monitor. He's reviewing the whole game they just played for the freshman team. And it's yeah. like, that's just what it is now. Like, yeah. I can't imagine watching. We didn't watch film, and we were the best team in CCS, and we didn't watch film. I mean, I'm sure Motil did, and he because we he would prepare us for the game with on a whiteboard. He would pull it, he'd roll it out, and be like, "This is this guy's guy." When you get to league, also, we're like, we know everyone who's in league. Know everybody, and yeah, I mean, and, and your team might not have needed it either. I don't think it would have done because to me, it was like. Logan and Darius's approach was like, I'm going to go dog this dude guarding the ball. And it's like, if we were like, this dude's really good, like try and force him left. Like that was, if they got beat, they got beat. Like they weren't going to. And if they did, we had six, five, six, five, six, ten standing behind them. Like, I mean. And yeah. a good thing is we can see how much film the kids watch. On the yeah. You can see too. the time. So like our three best players watched two hours of film this week. And I didn't ask them to do that, yeah. but you can see that they did it. And uh, that, that to me is if they're doing it on their own, then I don't think we need to go over all these clips. Cause like as coaches, we just do too much. I think sometimes <laughs> like myself included, I'm like, all right, well we need, you know, three more blobs. We need a blob for, for this and that. And right. uh, yeah, it's just like, we just do too much a lot of the time. And sometimes like I'm, I'm taking mental notes mm -hmm. about Motil just getting out the way. Like, yeah. I got uh, uh, for him. All right, I got the best team. I can really complicate this thing by doing all this stuff. Oh, we got to do this. We force this guy uh, left. He can only go two dribbles, pull ups. But like on our scouts now, it's like all right, shooter, driver, rebounder, and sometimes the person has both or all three. But I can't. Yeah. Like our, I look at our scouts from back when I first started. And it's like, oh, if she goes three dribbles to the right, she's gonna come she's back gonna to the left. Every, yeah. If she, uh, da -da -da -da, I was like, I, I showed Natalie Diaz, her, mm -hmm. her scout. I was going through all this old stuff, and I pulled up the scout, and I just texted her, and I, I think she got engaged recently, so I mm -hmm. um, said congratulations, and we played her in the CCS championship my first year when she was at SoCal, and uh, I said, here's your scout. She's like, yeah, pretty much about right, but like she was heavy right-handed, and she obviously dominated when she got to college doing yeah. the same exact thing and that's what i tell people all the time now you don't need you don't need like five different things what was your thing i can shoot <laughs> and it worked out really well for you yeah and then when they started taking away the short one you just got deeper and deeper and deeper and then it then it opened up your playmaking ability yep. like you got to get one really good thing if you can get really good one thing then you can have a counter to okay now i gotta slide by three um or they're just really overplaying me well darius is about to eat or curtis is about to eat exactly. because now they're so worried about me getting a getting a shot up i can go one more and darius is gonna slash to the rim and and punch it on you or, or drop it off to pete yeah so i think that we as coaches we do do a lot but we could probably keep it more simple yeah it's because I've been on both ends of the spectrum as far as um, scouting wise, like for teams and stuff. Like obviously in high school, we scouted a little bit, didn't really watch film at all, kind of went into it. And then I've also been in teams where we're watching an hour and a half film every day after practice. It's too yeah. much. We're watching our, you know, if we play Tuesday, Thursday, you know, 
if we played like Saturday night and then we're playing Tuesday, Thursday, then Sunday we're off. Monday we're watching probably a half hour film of our entire of the game we just played. And then we're also watching film on who we're playing next on Tuesday. Tuesday we have shoot around in the morning. Then we're watching the exact same film we already watched on who we're playing again because we have that's what we do. We all have everything's printed out in a big binder for us. We play Tuesday. Wednesday, film of Tuesday, also film for Thursday. Then on Thursday. And it's just like, you know, and then if you're losing, like I've been in those situations where we're watching an hour plus of film almost every day. Right. And we're 30 and six. Like, or th- I think we went 31 and five that year. We went to the NCAA tournament final. And we, you know, we start off league 12 and 0 and we lose our first league game. We lose on the road to the team who <clears throat> took second. And we watched like an hour of film on that. And it was weird because it was, it was weird in that at one point, at the point where you just get to the, it's like, this is what we do. So you just kind of get into the habit of it. I liked it from a perspective of like, man, if you screw up when you're in the game, like you have no excuse. Like if you miss, like you're in the wrong ball screen coverage, like we've been over it like 40 times. So like, if you mess up, there's, and I was always a very cerebral, like remembered a lot of stuff. I always was really locked into the scout, right? Calling out play calls. If I'm on the bench, I'm calling out this dude's back screen and this dude, they're coming for a, you know, they're going a flat ball straight at the top or something. So I liked it from that perspective because I felt like we were as prepared as we possibly could be. But on the other hand, it's like other guys don't process the information like that. Like our, our like our St. Francis team. If we put all the information, it could just be because it's high school kids too. But like, if you overload the information on all these kids, like, or you have guys, what would happen? I swear, like every fourth game, you have this dude shooting twenty two percent from three, make him drive, and then he hits five threes, and and then like your coach, you're kind of looking at your coach like, and their coach is like the classic line was like, he's a college player, like he's gonna make shots. You got to defend him, and it's like you told me he doesn't shoot, and it's like you can't. You right. can't use numbers and be like to pin a guy down to like he can only go left. He can only just like when you get in college, like it's different. Yeah. So I kind of on the fence about one way or the other. I think it's really important for teams that are like if you rely on structure to win games, like we did running the swing, we relied on like execution and structure to win a lot of games, then it's important. But like the NBA doesn't scout. Like, I'm sure they watch their own film, but, like, or if you're playing the Warriors, you might watch some of their, like, split action and stuff. But, like, if you're playing... Well, it's different. They're professionals, and they have somebody, like, look, here's every clip that's deaf. If he catches it right on that spot. So they have... There's, it's much different for them. It's more very much more specialized. Yeah. Each, each position is more specialized, and they're pros, so they should be doing all the stuff that... Right, you know, and they know all this stuff, but then it's like if you're gonna go play the Suns, you're not like you're not watching 30 minutes of the Suns running sets. No, you're just watching clips. You're watching clips of like when Katie catches it on this elbow, 70% of the time he likes pulling up to his left, the other 30 he goes right and tries to finish or something like that. But you're not watching like Oh, when they throw it to the wing and he cuts the other way, they're going to do this. It's like, no, they're going to throw it and he's going to go score. Like, so that's kind of the, the, the difference of, it depends where you're at, Right. you know, high school teams probably don't need to watch as much film. 
college teams, a lot of it, especially in Division Two, revolves around execution. So you can easily beat teams off straight up executing offense. And I think that can be true in high school, but especially at least the conference I played in was like, there were teams that weren't that good and they would just execute and play solid defense and they knew what you were going to do. And that kind of won them games. Right. Um, but what did you think? Like, so you said that when we talked earlier about the intensity and how you coached being in like your mm. mid to late twenties and maybe a little early thirties. And then now where you're at now from like your late thirties to early forties, how much of that intensity change was also due to switching from coaching boys to girls? Well, that was definitely a transition for sure. Um, <clears throat> Cause you know, just certain things that you would say to a boy or a man, you wouldn't say to a, a, a girl, you just don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. then uh, when I had children and then when I had a daughter, this, you know, second child with a daughter, you know, you just think about, you know, what you would want uh, for them growing up. And at the end of the day, you just want them to uh, have fun doing what they're doing, have a good experience, learn about basketball, of course, but that became more of the driving factor is if my kid comes home, Hey, CJ, was it fun today? Yeah, dad, it was fun. Or Maxime, was it, did he have fun at practice and in, in the game? Yeah, dad, I had fun. And it's not going to be fun all the time. Cause I know that it's just mm -hmm. every day, everyday life isn't fun. Um, every single day, but there's a lot of fun joys that you can find out of it. And so that was when I kind of like took the shift and then um, I've taken more of the approach of a motel, like at a halftime, like, first of all, I might've flipped out on you guys when you were younger or, um, and you said it or like earlier on in my career, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't get you guys to play any different. Yeah. And if I'm telling if I'm telling the players to calm down, which he was probably doing for you guys, and I'm acting a fool, whether it be for, for our team or against the refs or whatever the case may be, like that doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't add up when yeah. I'm going crazy on every single call. And sometimes I'll find myself getting into those moments and then uh -huh. I'll apologize to the refs and be like, Hey, you know, I'm just in the moment in the game. Cause I'll be like travel. Like maybe like, all right, coach. And then I'm like, Oh, I wasn't, I'm just in the game. Yeah, like, I'm just, just in the game and I had nothing to do with you calling it or not. That's the uh, hardest one. That's I'm, the hardest one by far. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just, and you just, and you just like you've grown, from a player to a young man to a husband, um, you're you just become more self-aware of everything that you are doing and not doing. And you have to have some like real I'll watch my I'll watch the film and I'll watch myself. Like I watched it five years ago. I'm like, damn, whoops, what was I on? Like, <laughs> it, like that was crazy. Remember, I used to stomp and now I don't yeah. stomp anymore. Um, we we hardly run in practice. Mm -hmm. It's it, like if you're later, if somebody's late. We're running. We have, you know, standards in place for that. But I'd rather just play. And if we play hard, we don't need to run. Right. We'd rather we're getting better at running, not getting better at basketball. Um, we don't get water breaks. They can get water anytime they want. They don't have to ask. Like there's so many breaks in practice. Right. Like just go get it. It's all. It's right there on the scores table. Just, just do it. So I think it's just being much smarter, more efficient. I've been more efficient in my whole life. Like, you know, we're in my uh, studio and gym, but mm -hmm. like before you got here, I'm watching nothing but film. So I'm doing my workout, film is on, or I've swiveled the TV, I jump on the bike and I'm watching film. I've never watched more film than I have now. 
because uh, I got just dialed into whatever it is that I was doing, especially yeah. when my mom passed too. I was like, um, I couldn't control all a lot, but what can I control? I can control, I can get better as a coach. I can get way better as a coach. Mm-hmm. You don't think you can, but you definitely can. And um, yeah, that's just, and I'm trying to understand players more like motel, a motel. And some people are like, oh, that's kind of soft. But, well, you just, you just said it. That was actually kind of smart. And to be, like to have the self-awareness and the confidence that it was going to be okay. Because I mean, if you know your team and you know, your player is like, all right, cool. Let's just, let's just change, change our behavior and we're going to be all right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of speaks for itself when, um, you know, like you said, people might have thought that might not be the way that they would do stuff with that group or something like that. I think, since he took over St. Francis originally in, I think, 2008, he's won four league titles. Right. Sarah has zero. Uh, Cathedral has zero. Valley has zero. Reardon shared one last year. They technically shared with Mitty. Bellarmine has two. Um, SI has zero. And Mitty's got, like, nine. I mean, Mitty's just a machine. But he's, like, the second best, you know, second winningest, Dub Cal coach the last 20 years. Right. And there's a reason for that, you know? So I think I didn't realize it. You know, you don't realize it when you're playing, you kind of just like, yeah, this is the guy who coaches us I'm like whatever. And, you know, I think he was way more in tune with what was needed from our group. Um, and he knew it when we were freshmen because we came in as freshmen and we, there was like, there was seven of us and we wanted to play. We went up to him. We're like, "Hey, can we come to varsity tryouts?" He said, "No." He was like, "No," and I was like, "Yeah, but we've been in open gym and like, yeah, the varsity starters are better than us, but that's about it. The varsity bench guys that year were, we didn't think were better than us. They probably were, but at the time we didn't think they were. And we're like, okay, so can like, what's the what's JV tryouts, whatever? He's like, no, you guys are gonna play freshmen, and we were like, but why? He's like, because you can just play. The, you guys are going to play together. You're a group of seven. You're going to be with your own age. He goes, the difference between freshman and JV basketball is not very big. It's just a little bit of physicality from sophomores. He's like, you guys are pretty physical. And there was no need for us to play, you know, sit on the bench of, fre- of varsity and not play. So we played an entire year of freshman together, got a ton of chemistry playing together, had a great time, won a ton of games. We got pulled up to varsity, some of us, at the end of that year. And then the next year on varsity, we started four sophomores. And I think at the time, I was like, this is like, I don't understand why I'm not on varsity. I was like, there's definitely dudes on the end of the bench I'm better than. Right. But how fun would it have really been? Like, I mean, maybe I would have played a little bit um, just for like shooting, but... I mean, the following year as a sophomore, I was not physical enough to like carry a team or anything that year anyways. Right. So he had like the foresight to see all of that. I mean, I think he just knew the league really, really well. He knew St. Francis really, really well. And he knew what it took to like compete and win the league. You know, I think he doesn't get appreciated enough in the, in the league. I agree. I agree. And you know, when you break down the, the accolades that he's had and and things like that you just and there's a lot of coaches like that honestly you know i had pat in here and we talked about a bunch of the the non-wcl coaches Uh 
how much work they put in um, and just how good they are at what they do and they don't get recognized because they may not be in our league. Right. Um, and even like, even even if your team, first of all, it comes down to players first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. And <laughs> if you've got players and then you can, you can be, you can be the coach that you really want to be when you don't have players. That's when you really got a coach. That's when, when you, it really shows. And, and your coach can help you win games, even if you're not, um, you know, more talented than, than that other group. And that's why, like, I re- of course, I respect the other leagues, too. But I really respect our league because not only when they have players or even when they don't have players, you got to prepare because you you can definitely lose a game in our league if you don't. Uh, oh, if, yeah. If you don't get your team ready. So. There's no nights off like. Like you said, every team, I mean, this it's almost to a point like there's the analogy of where in the NFL draft, they would talk about when you draft a kid from Alabama, you know, Saban's extracted every juice of talent and and, uh, you know, how good he's possibly going to be. It's fully it's fully extracted. He's not going to get much better in the NFL because the coaching is so high at that level. And that's almost how I feel a little bit about some of the just the some of the players that come out of the dub cow is like. Kennedy is squeezing. He's making them as tough, good basketball players. Obviously, kids are going to get better, but like they're so Sarah, uh, Coach Rap, the the way he gets those kids to buy in and play at that extremely physical level. Um, you know, Bellerman uh, with Schneider, they were in the CCS Open Final my senior year playing against us, and we were more talented than every single player on their team other than probably Jake and maybe Angelo. But they were in the final. Like, their center was 6'2", or 6'3". And, like, he was able to just get the most out of them. And I think that that's something that really shows when you have good coaching in the league and, like, especially, like you said, even coaches not in our league. I mean, last year we played Christopher in the D2 finals, and, like, Coach Sachs over there was running, like, they were running this offense and those kids were so dialed into like they had a really good center and they had a really good point guard. They were running the plays and it's like the other dudes shoot threes and we're getting the ball to these two guys. And they were just, there's a reason they were in the CCS final. You know, they were just dialed into running that problem. They ran into, uh, we had, we had a lot more talented guys and that's kind of just how the game went. But like, there was a reason like he, did such a good job extracting all the talent out of that well, team. Pat Pat told me this when we sat down and he was like, <clears throat> so we had 12 kids come from Union Middle School mm-hmm. and they had 12 kids and only one of one of them went to the same middle school, uh, St. Francis, when him and Mike met in the CCS. Uh, I don't know what what round, but he told the story on the podcast and I was like, that is the major difference and uh yeah it's just it's just different but um as we're wrapping up uh any any final thoughts for you and uh your coaching how long you want to do this you think you want to stick with this for the long long haul i think so i like it a lot i just uh me and my wife just bought a condo in actually right over here uh behind ebay over there oh yeah perfect i love that area yeah so up in campbell willow Glen borderline um so yeah we're gonna be here a while um and i enjoy it i love being there i love being with the kids um it's a fun time getting to 
you know, be back at the same school I played for is really fun as well. But, you know, always just trying to get as much experience as I can, trying to get better as a coach, you know, and just trying to learn as much as I can from guys like you, Coach Tension, and everybody everybody in the league, to be honest. Well, you're on the right track, you know, and, and your opportunities will come for sure. Um, and just the way you've developed as a person, just continue to develop as a coach. And if you do that, you know, you'll be ready for your chance when you get it. So uh, last question, if there should be somebody on this podcast, who should it be? And before you say who it should be, you got to make the connection. Okay. Um, to be honest, I think the coolest one would be if you got Motil on the podcast. Or did you already have, you he's had a, Mo, huh? He's, he's already been on. You had he, Mo a long He hasn't time. been on in studio, but he's got a lot more time on his hands. He does. Me. He's just watching his daughter play now. So, yeah. Um, I think, have you had Kareem on? No. Kareem would be really good. Kareem okay. Gilbo, who's the assistant at Reardon. He was an assistant at SI for 15 years. Played at SI, played at San Jose State. Um, I think Joey, when I had Joey on, mm -hmm. he, he told me about Kareem. Um, come on. And I know him because I've seen him all the time when Valley, when he came down to Valley when he was with SI. So, yeah. No, he's he's awesome. I actually hung out with him last night after our game. Okay. Well, you got to connect me with him. I will. And you know what else you should connect with? This outro. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Buckets podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share the show with your friends. And until next time, take care.